This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care, and we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. If you rewire how they got there, it took them eight different steps, 10 different moves, 15 different failures, and it was an unconventional way of doing it. And they would never achieve that outlying success. One, if they couldn't restart their brand, their position, their place in the times of change and use it as an opportunity. But two, they wouldn't have done it if they didn't find the way to make their natural skill set and learned abilities to align with what they do on a day-to-day basis. Welcome to The Real Reel, where I take you behind the Instagram reel and into the real lives of entrepreneurs, content creators, and anyone who inspires me and may inspire you too. I'm your host, Natalie Barbu, and let's get into it. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to The Real Real Podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Barbu, and today's episode is a very good one, and I feel like a lot of you are going to be very excited for it because I think the majority of my audience probably watches The Bachelor. I could be really off, but I feel like at least a few years ago, a lot of you watched The Bachelor at some point. I didn't watch the last season. I don't think I watched the last two seasons, actually. I didn't watch Colton 2.0, whatever his name was. I actually totally forgot his name. Didn't watch him. I didn't watch Michelle's season. I didn't watch who else's season? Who was before Michelle? They did like two back to back. I think the last season I watched was like Matt James and then Katie Thurston. And those were the last two seasons that I watched. And I feel like it's gone downhill. I don't know if I'm going to watch the season coming up. I'm kind of like bachelored out. Like I feel like they've just like ruined the show. But yeah, that's that's my two cents. Anyways. (laughs) The point is, a lot of you have probably watched The Bachelor, and today's guest was someone on The Bachelor, hint, hint, you already know from the title, and it's one of the most popular people from The Bachelor. I feel like he is very, very famous from being on the show, but now he's kind of created a name for himself as someone who really helps with like financial advice, financial tips, adulting help, really understanding your finances and your kind of like... I keep saying the word finances, but I guess like your finances as a whole. Anyways, today's guest is Jason Tardick, and I know you guys are going to absolutely love it. And before we get into that, I did want to do my little high and low segment. So high of the week. I always like reflecting back on the week. I'm trying to think of what I reminded you last time, and I'm pretty sure it was of my birthday. So we're not going to talk about my birthday anymore because, I mean, I mean, I know I can, I can talk about it all April, but... We're not going to talk about that anymore. I would say my high of the week is my friend Allie visiting me. I haven't seen her since last year for my birthday last year. So very excited that she came to visit. It's been a year since we saw each other, which is 
literally insane. So I'm very, very happy that she came and I actually got to meet her boyfriend, which I've never met before. Like it's just been really fun having her here. So that is definitely my high. I feel like I really don't take for granted friendships. Like I really, really appreciate friendships, especially now all of us are like all over the country and, and you know, not in one place. I definitely appreciate them now more than ever. So I would say that that is my high of the week. And then my low of the week, I'm trying to think about my my low. I usually don't spend time like pondering the bad stuff that happened. <laughs> and I don't think anything in particularly bad happened. I guess my low of the week. Oh yes. Oh, okay. You guys are going to be hearing about this in my budget video that comes out this week or next week sometime soon. My low of the week. Okay. So my low of the week is that I just got a Venmo transaction charge for $175 for a dinner. Yep, that is that takes the record for the most expensive dinner I've ever spent in my life. Takes takes the cake. There I had two drinks, uh one shot and it was like family style where everyone and like there was like a preset menu and it was like three or four courses, but it was one of those things where like not everyone ate. Like it was, you know, like not everyone had food. Not everyone ate everything. So I think I really just paid for the experience. <laughs> That's what I'm going to call it. And they just split the bill across like 15 people or something like that. So not complaining, just very expensive. I would say that was my low. Seeing that charge, I was like, wow. Okay. Whew. <laughs> Especially because I feel like I've just been spending a lot of money this month on celebrations. So that was a lot, but you know what? It's okay. We're, we're here to talk about finances with Jason and I don't know how proud he would be if I told him I spent $175 on a dinner. I'm kidding. He's not Graham Stefan. He's not that strict. That's not the vibe I got from his content. But yes, if you don't follow me on YouTube, definitely follow me on there because I will be posting my, like what I spent in April video and it's not, it's not going to be great, but that's okay. That's okay. Anyways, I think that's a good segue to what we're going to talk about in this episode. So we have Jason Tardick on the show. He is an entrepreneur, investor, author, speaker, and the host of Apple's top charting business podcast, which is, can we take, that's freaking insane, Trading Secrets. I really, really enjoy that podcast. It's actually been one of my favorites so far. He recently released his first book, Restart Roadmap, and he is the founder of Restart Consulting, an educational consulting company centered around career and money management. And after working 10 years in corporate banking, he actually took a detour into reality TV, which is where all of us probably know him from, to be contestant on season 14 of ABC's The Bachelorette. In addition, he's landed co-hosting opportunities on Live from E, Yahoo Finance, E Daily Pop. Like, you've probably seen him everywhere. And he's just has a very impressive resume, even aside from The Bachelorette. Like, I feel like The Bachelorette is not the most interesting thing about him. We talk all about how he had felt lost before The Bachelorette, and he would keep busy in order to, like, appear successful which I feel like a lot of us can relate to. And he also believes that we are all born into a blueprint based on what peers and family members define as success and how to get there, which we talk about this a lot, kind of how I related to it versus how he related to it. And I feel like our stories are kind of similar, even though he definitely has more like corporate experience than me. And we talk all about how we can break the blueprint and rewrite our own career and life path. We also discuss how he landed on The Bachelorette. We talk about his experience on there, kind of leaving The Bachelorette and what he's up to now. And it's just a really, really good episode. I wanted to like 
get a deep dive into who he was and what he was working on. But then I also just wanted to talk about like what success meant to him, how to really navigate your 20s, your 30s, like navigate your career, how to pivot in your career because he's definitely done it. And this was just an amazing, amazing episode. So Today's episode dives all into tips for getting out of credit card debt, very, very, very useful stuff, ways to find your personal career blueprint, how to encourage friends and family to have conversations about money because you guys know how important I think that is, and five reasons that you might be stuck in your career and his advice to pivot. This episode is going to be amazing. I'm super excited for you to listen to this. If you are listening to it, please be sure to rate us five stars on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, and also take a screenshot and post it on your story because I love seeing when you guys are listening to this. So be sure to tag me if you do. Anyways, without further ado, let's get into the episode. Life doesn't happen bi-weekly, so why should payday? The money you earn can be in your hands today as it should with Earnin. Earnin is an app that is changing the game when it comes to getting paid. Imagine having access to the money you've earned as you work, not just waiting for payday. With Earnin, you can access up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. Just download the Earnin app and verify your paycheck. Then access up to $100 a day as you work and leave an optional tip. Any money you access plus tip are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. So think about it. The next time you're planning a special night out, you need a last minute gift for a loved one, or you face an unexpected expense, like maybe a trip to the vet, Earnin has you covered. For me, it's about having the flexibility to handle those surprise expenses that life throws my way. So whether it's unexpected bills or needing to cover rent when things are tight, Earnin gives me peace of mind knowing that I have access to my hard earned cash when I need it most. Make Earnin a part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability, security. It gives me a lot of peace of mind. Download Earnin today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earnin app, type Real Real under podcast when you sign up. It really helps the show, so please don't forget that step. Real Real under podcast. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank. Subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Let's talk about styling hair because it is a whole production, especially when you are battling frizz. And take it from me, I live in Miami, Florida. It is about to be summer. I really know frizz, but honestly, I would rather be doing something else like booking a spontaneous vacation to St. Bart's or rewatching the Eras tour for like the third time. You know, the important stuff. But who actually has time for frizz? Introducing Way's new anti-frizz cream. It is like a superhero for your hair. It provides immediate frizz control that lasts up to 72 hours. I actually brought it on a trip with me and my friend borrowed it and she purchased it right then and there because it was that good. So how does this fit into my hair routine? It is the best thing I could have done for my hair. I am all about saving time and the anti-frizz cream does just that. Plus the Sydney inspired North Bondi scent is so amazing. You can thank bergamot, Italian lemon violet and more. And as someone who is always concerned about heat damage because I definitely use a lot of heat on my hair, this anti-frizz cream provides heat protection, which is such a big relief. And my hair feels so much lighter and looks smoother after using it. Get busy being frizz free with Way's new anti-frizz cream. It's not just about taming frizz. It also provides heat protection up to 400 50 degrees, reduces and repairs split ends, quenches dry hair with intense hydration, and according to a consumer perception study, 90% of participants agreed that their hair looked less frizzy after using it. 
I can definitely contest that. And while you're at it, check out Way's other bestsellers like the leave-in conditioner, which I also use, detox shampoo, fragrances, hair oils, and hair gloss. They're all essential for achieving that salon-worthy look at home. So you can frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter promo code RealReal for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code RealReal. Hi, Jason. Thanks for coming on my podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Excited to be here. I'm very, very excited. And on this podcast, we always start with setting the record straight, which is where I say some assumptions, stereotypes, and then you'll let me know your thoughts on them. Oh, I love that start. Let's do it. Thanks. So first one is that money should not be taboo. Yes, that assumption is 100% correct. We should talk all about the money we make and how we make it, because if we do, it gives us more information to negotiate and kind of take detours in life to where we want to go, knowing more about where money could be made. Yeah. And I totally agree. I feel like I'm someone that I post on YouTube. I'm like a content creator and I always talk about money on my social media and not in a way that's like, look at all this money I make. Cause that's like not what I ever want to do. It's more on the way of like, here's how you can make money on social media. Here are ways that you can start a side hustle. This is what these things pay you. And I think it provides so much value to people because it's not common to talk about and there's not that many resources that you can find that information. For sure. Yeah. And I think to your point, like just having healthy conversations are great, right? Like it's so long as it's not like, like you said, like it's a braggadocious manner of like pumping your own tires or putting someone else down. If you're having these conversations with an educational standpoint, especially in a world like influencing and YouTube and all these other areas that people just don't know about, it could change someone's life. So I think it's awesome. I think it's so awesome. Yeah. And kudos for you for continuing to do that. I'm going to keep doing it on my end. You keep doing it on your end. And with our powers combined, we'll get everyone doing it. How about that? Yeah, <laughs> I know. I love that your podcast does that because I definitely think it needs to be more talked about in more industries. So I love that you bring people on from like a ton of different industries. Yes, that's the whole idea. So I have a podcast, Trading Secrets. That's what we do. We trade the secrets behind all different industries, where money's been earned, where money's been lost. And what's been really interesting is one of the big barriers to starting this type of podcast was there's no way you're going to get big celebrities or anybody for that matter to talk about what they make. They're not going to do it. And we've been able to do it. And it's amazing how open these people are to these conversations, even at the level of people we've been able to have. Like you just said, Josh Peck just came out, A-Rod. Etc. So, you know, if they can all do it, we could do it too. Yeah. Why do you think that is? Why do you think they're comfortable on your podcast sharing those things that they usually wouldn't share like elsewhere? So, I think there's a few theories. I'll give you two, though. One, some of these people, there's so much money conversations out there already being had about them that they're like, listen, that discussion's been opened. I might as well clarify it because all the stuff you see online about people's net worth and stuff, 98% of it's bullshit. So that's one. I think the other part is a lot of these people respect what we're trying to do with it in an educational, insightful way, but it's not easy for someone to come out of the gate and just start talking about it. So I think when they're positioned in a way that we discuss it, it creates a comfortability that the platform and the reason in which they're talking about it makes sense. It's not them mm -hmm. saying, you know, like Josh Peck talked about, he made $15,000 an episode in Nickelodeon as a kid. It's not him bragging about that. It's him having like a really educated discussion on an educational platform to do it. And I think that's why. Yeah, I agree. It's actually providing some sort of value, not just like look at how much money I made. Right. So, exactly. Exactly. And I think yeah. like even in his scenario, like that's exactly what he said. Some people think like you're a childhood actor that had a good show. You're set for life. Like that is not the case. And mm -hmm. so I think they like to provide insight to that stuff, the good, the bad, and all the wild stuff that comes with it. 
Yeah. And the next one is that reality TV is not really reality. Okay. Hmm. I'm going to say reality TV is definitely reality, especially in the situation that you're in. So obviously I was on the show, The Bachelorette. The reason I say obviously is because if you've heard of the show, you would even know who I was. It's from the reality television show, The Bachelorette. And I am engaged to a former bachelorette who has been the co-host of the show and been on many different of the shows doing cameos. So we are in the weeds of Bachelor Nation. (laughs) So if you're familiar with Bachelor Nation, you may be familiar with my fiance and possibly myself. But the point of that is the reality in that world, it's real. Those feelings you're feeling right there are real. There is no scripted. No one tells you to say anything. So for me in those situations, and I think for most people that come out of those situations would tell you, do they feel the same way now that they're not being like filmed and in that scenario? Maybe not. But at the time, at second T1, when that was filmed, it was a real feeling of emotional state that they had, which is why it makes for such good TV, honestly. Yeah. And I know that they like take away your phones and you can't really like communicate with the outside world. So I think that definitely helps with like heightening emotions in the process. Yeah, for sure. If anyone out there is listening to this and you're having trouble connecting with your emotions, go do one day, maybe even two. We got to do three months with no phone, no TV, no internet, no communication with friends or family or any type of music or anything like that. Do that. Do it for 24 hours. And it will honestly be one of the best exercises for checking in with yourself. I feel like you probably learned a lot about yourself in that process. I learned more about myself in that three months than I may have in in my entire life, especially because I was such a career guy. Like where to go, how to work, show up early, stay late, check the boxes, go to happy hours, like anything and everything to occupy time to be seen as successful in the spaces I was working, I was doing. And all of that stuff at the end of the day, while was productive for what I was trying to accomplish, was just a lot of noise. And I totally lost touch with who I was, what I wanted out of life. And honestly, like my true identity, I was lost. I was lost in my title mm-hmm. and in my suit and in my position. Yeah. And speaking of careers, this next one is that you can always pivot in your career. That is a thousand percent true. I mean, I could give you countless and countless examples of people that if you're listening to this now, just right now, think about someone you look up to right now. It could be anyone, a politician, an actor, an actress, a musician. It could be anyone. They have had a thousand detours over and over. And that's where a lot of my thesis comes from. People that have achieved outlying success. Well, of course, have some level of outlandish talent. If you rewire how they got there, It took them eight different steps, 10 different moves, 15 different failures, and it was an unconventional way of doing it. And they would never achieve that outlying success. One, if they couldn't restart their brand, their position, their place in the times of change and use it as an opportunity. But two, they wouldn't have done it if they didn't find the way to make their natural skill set and learned abilities to align with what they do on a day-to-day basis. And that's a lot of the stuff I talk about in the book that I just launched, The Restart Roadmap. Yeah, I love that because I think a lot of people, especially young adults, like just now graduating college, we've grown up with social media and we've grown up with comparing our lives to other people. We've grown up with seeing LinkedIn announcements on like cool new jobs that everyone's received. And, you know, you feel like you're behind or you feel like, oh my God, I'm never going to be successful because I don't know what I'm doing at 22 or 23. But there's no like linear roadmap. It's not like that person that you said that you look up to. Oh, smooth sailing until they were 45. Like they've had so many pivots, so many redirections, so many failures. 
but it might not have been as publicized or we don't really like glamorize those failures. Yeah, exactly. hundred percent. And I think the one thing is that I have another theory that we're all born into a certain blueprint based on what our peers or family members or people of power around us define as success and the way that they define how to get there. And a lot of it's based on like educational success, right? We of course have seen that, but we're all born in this blueprint. I think what people are realizing is that this blueprint, while for some works, but for many, they often scratch their head saying, I don't know how I got here and why I haven't found satisfaction I'm looking for. And so one of the theories I always have is like break the blueprint, break the mold and create an understanding and a path that you're writing as opposed to the whole path and story being written for you. Mm-hmm. And you seem like a very ambitious person. You know, you're all about, I feel like career driven and very ambitious. But were you always like that? Like, was that what your childhood was like? I've always been very entrepreneurial. You know, I think one of the reasons the podcast works too is I've always wondered. I came from a, you know upper middle class family, and what was interesting is I saw a lot of people in like upper upper classes that got like all these things, right? Wanted for nothing. It was also in positions where I saw people that didn't have the resources, and so I think being in the middle of both of these worlds, it was so fascinating to me. Like where people are making money and how. And I was always so curious about it. And I was always an entrepreneurial at heart. But for me, it was like, if I want to have all these things and I want to want for nothing, I have to be the yes man. I got to be the guy that's willing to relocate. Got to be the guy who's willing to do anything it takes to find and exceed expectations. Got to speak the way I'm being told to speak and act the way I'm being told to act. And so I did that and had the success I wanted. And that I talk a little bit about in the book at 29, got all the titles and I talk about money. So I got the six figure signing bonus and the big base salary and everything I wanted only to feel like so, so unsatisfied and lost. And so I think one of the issues is if you're always chasing money, power and titles, you're only going to be left with confusion if it doesn't align with so many other things. So I was always like that, but it got to a point where I was like super unhealthy in my 20s. Yeah. So did you have like a roadmap where you like, I'm going to go to college and I'm going to major in this and then I'm going to get this job and that's going to lead me to this place? Like, were you someone that had that plan or did it kind of fall into place once you graduated school? Oh, it was all planned. I mean, in every industry is different, right? But like business school is always focused on investment banking, consulting, corporate banking, accounting. There's like four areas you can go into and you really want to land the consulting or iBanking jobs. And so when you're in college, that blueprint is already kind of designed for you. And of course, they'll always say like, well, you definitely want to get your MBA. You definitely want to get it from a top 25 school. So what I do, got my MBA. I didn't end up having to take my GMAT. So I got into schools like a top 50. So that was one of these things. Like I just took the path that everyone said you got to take. And so I took the jobs that people said you got to take. And I went to the groups where people said that's where you'll find success. So yeah, my story was written for me pretty much since the day I declared my major until I finally took a wild detour at the age of 29, 30 and went on a reality television show in the middle of 10 years you know, rocking on my back, climbing up corporate America, things going great. It was one decision I made that no one agreed with, that no one Mm -hmm. said was the right thing. Everyone said, this is what you shouldn't do, but I just wanted to do it for me. And it's so crazy that the first time I actually made a decision like that was the decision that changed everything in my life, what I do, where I live, you know, who I'm engaged to, et cetera. So you just never know the curveballs life's going to throw at you. 
Yeah, I feel very similarly because I had gone to school. So I went to school for engineering. You know, I was like, okay, I'm going to go to school so that I could get a good job so I could make money. Okay, what am I going to do? I'll do engineering. So that's like a smart major. It'll look good and I don't have to go to grad school. So then I got that degree, graduated in four years, did the consulting route because I actually didn't really like engineering. So went the consulting route. And then I ended up quitting to do like social media full time, which, you know, you don't really think of a engineer that is also working at a consulting firm to become like an influencer, quote unquote. So it was one of those things where a lot of people in my life, thankfully, like my parents were very supportive, but a lot of people in my life were like, why are you doing this? Like you got your degree for what? You know, it was just, (laughs) you have a good job and you're just going to quit. And I wasn't there as long as you were. I was lasted like nine months. So it was definitely not a long time, but it was one of those things where I was like, I know I don't want to do what I'm doing. I don't regret what I majored in or anything else because it's like got me to where I am today. But I know that this is like the right decision and it's opened more doors for me, more opportunities, more things than my degree in the safe job ever did. Yeah. I mean, that's so cool. That's such a great story to tell and keep telling it. It's amazing. And you just look at the industry too, like the influencing industry, it's just growing by the second. I think in like 2019, it was maybe like a $6 billion industry or even less. 2021, it was close to a $17 billion industry. And now it's growing at a rate that is going to very, very much surpass that. I mean, it is a super, super big industry with so much opportunity behind it. I mean, I want to go back to kind of what you were saying with how you made that huge transition. You entered reality TV. Was that something that you signed up for? Did you think like, I need a change? I'm not fulfilled at my job. Let me just do like the complete opposite. Or how did that transition happen? Because I feel like it's a jump. It's not, you know, there's no like banker to reality TV show pipeline. (laughs) So (laughs) there's no script or blueprint for that. That's for darn sure. I think like a lot of things in my life, like even how this book came up, it was a result of putting myself out there with different things. And then things came back from eyeballs seeing it. Like for the Restart Roadmap, the book that I just wrote, I have a company called Restart on Instagram, Restart underscore Reset. We do a bunch of things other than Instagram, but we're getting about a million impressions or so a week on this Instagram. And one of those eyeballs happened to be a book agent who reached out. Now, similarly to going on the show, in a weird way, I was asked to be part of this charity event for Gilda's Club. Now, Gilda's Club was sparked by Gilda Radner, a famous SNL comedian who abruptly died of ovarian cancer. And so they created this not-for-profit in her name that helps families undergoing any form of cancer treatment. So they created this marquee event where they like recruited 25, 30 guys in the area all different ages and backgrounds. And they had a big stage and people got dressed up to come and every person had a date package. So when you would bid on someone to go on a date with them, you would get a package of all these things and all the money towards the package went towards the charity. So 30 guys come out at different times and they sing and dance to their song. And I came out to old time rock and roll and I was working the stage about as hard as I could have worked it. And I got the most amount of bids that night at the highest dollar value. And the video of me coming out was ridiculous. And it's my understanding that a video from that night was submitted to ABC. So it was about eight months later or something, I got a call to potentially go on the show And they're like, are you single? And do you still live in Rochester? I'm like, well, I'm single, but I don't live in Rochester. I actually live in Seattle, Washington now. And so that was when the opportunity came knocking. And that's how it all came to fruition. And I said, you know what? Let's give it a shot. That's crazy. So like, (laughs) did you know what 
The Bachelorette was at the time? Were you nervous to go on? Like, why did you decide to do it and make that transition? Because I do feel like it's a little bit different than what you were normally doing. Oh, I was terrified to go on. So I was like, I was terrified to go on, to make the change, make the transition. I definitely wasn't like the reality TV guy, especially in high school. People would be like, yeah, you got the wrong dude. But for me, the reason I did it was I knew that when I moved to Seattle, I had a two-year outlook that if I could last in Seattle for two years, I would have the financial independence to take a big shot and leave the bank and do my own thing. And so I wasn't at that two-year mark, but I was at a point where I knew I wanted to take a shot. And so sometimes things don't go according to plan perfectly. And I was like, you know what? Like This is such a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. I've already had a good nine, 10 years of work. Financially, I don't have any debt. Why would I say no to this? Like, why would I not just give this a shot if I know it's something I want to do? So for me, I just did it because I was like, I want to. I think this is so cool. And for me, it was one of these things like you hear so often people are on their deathbed regretting not what they did, but what they didn't do. And I felt like when this opportunity was presented to me, it was one of these things that I would have said, I wish I had done it. So I did it. Mm -hmm. And when you came back from the show, was life back to normal or were you able to kind of make that transition where you were working on your own thing? Like, did you quit to go on the show or what did life look like when you came back? So I went on the show, took a three month leave from work. <laughs> the full That's a long time. <laughs> What's wild is the full memo to get approval is in the book. And so I was going to actually only take as much time as I was on the show, but I was on for the whole time. And so after the show, I went back to work. I went back to work for a year. And then I was working full-time while doing social media. And then I call it my double dip year because I was able to make all this income from social media and speaking events and appearances and endorsements and then still work. And then there got to a point where my personal life and my professional life hit a wall where there was a huge blow up. And I was putting this ultimatum at work where I either had to restart my career or I had to in the bank with no more social media and side hustle or restart outside of the career because what was happening wasn't deemed as acceptable for the bank. So as a result of that, I ended up restarting myself outside of the bank and created a brand called Restart to really help people like write their own story as opposed to having their stories written for them. So it was a full turn of events. The whole story of why I got kind of put in this ultimatum is in the book and it's a wild one. Yeah, no, I think that's really crazy that you kind of had to force between two different worlds, if you will. Were you at the bank when your show was going on, like actually on air or had you? Oh, yeah, before then? I was working full time. So I went back to the bank and then I don't know, shows are all different, right? But this show started airing. Oh, my God. What was it like a month or two after I got back? And I was there while at work during all that. And it was, <laughs> as you can imagine, your whole entire personal life being aired on national television with uh, ABC cameras and then going back to work to work with CFOs of, uh, you know, $100 million plus companies. It was a wild worlds to be navigating A to Z. Yeah, I feel like Bachelor and Bachelorette are such like talking points the next day. You know, it's like it comes out on Monday and like on Tuesday, everyone at the office is like talking about it. So I'm sure that in your office, it was probably, I don't know if awkward or <laughs> interesting. It was a little everything. I was like highs and lows where people were like, this is so cool. And then people were like, oh my God, you got deep on that date. And then people are like, wow, your friends and family are awesome. And then they're like, oh my God, how'd you fall in love? And then they're like, Dude, is everything okay? I'm like, guys, this happened yeah. months ago. It didn't happen last night. I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm going to make it. That's so funny. Okay. So you quit your job. You replaced this ultimatum, started Restart. 
How did you know to start that? Like, is that something you were thinking about before or was it just the situation you were in where you were like, this is relevant to my life? I'm sure it can help other people. Like why that business? And like, what did that look like in the beginning? Did you find the domain? Did you register it? Like, I always want to know the beginning steps of starting that Yeah, business. so re- restart. I mean, like, honestly, it was just a pun on the words of the predicament I was put into, right? They're telling me I have to restart my career, everything. I'm like, wow, I just had to restart. And then where it all really came together was... In March of 2020, and this is another good tip for anybody is like, talk to your friends, talk to your family, pull your audiences. If you don't have an audience, you have friends. Everyone's got some form of audience. But I pulled my following on social media in March of 2020 when the S&P 500 and the Dow Jones hit rock bottom when the pandemic and COVID started to come to fruition. People were like terrified. What's happening? Everything plummeted. And so I quickly just sampled the group and I said, hey, be honest with me, be real with me. Right now, I point at you and I say, can you explain the S&P 500 to me in three to four sentences? Can you effectively do it? And of that, 250,000 plus people responded to the survey. Over 91% of them said they could not do it. And so it got really eye-opening to me that some of these things that we really need to know in our lives as it relates to personal happiness, personal financial literacy and career management we are not taught in the classroom. And that's when Restart was born. And we have a newsletter of all the things you got to know going into your week, going out every Monday. We have an all-access networking group. We have the podcast, Trading Secrets. We have the book. We've sold merch. Every day the market's open. We have stories on our Instagram and posts that correlate to like the stuff you got to know. So it's all built and based on this mission of the things we aren't taught in school are the things we need to know every day. And that's how it all came to fruition. And since then, there's been multiple businesses and branches and things built off of it. Yeah. I mean, I totally agree that there's so much that's not being taught in schools today. And people are graduating high school and college without understanding, like you said, the S&P 500. They're not understanding taxes. They're not understanding even how much money they should be making, like nothing. I feel like you go to school and I like went to school, I got a good degree and I didn't learn any of that stuff. Like all of that was learned through experience, through asking people, asking friends and family. But some people don't have that privilege to even like have people in their life that understand that. So it's really, really important that it's actually being something that's spoken about, that people are being educated on. Have you heard any people that have been reading your newsletter, reading your book, listening to the podcast that have said like, thank you so much for helping me with this or like, What has that experience been like as you've been more open talking about money? Yeah, for sure. So I think even one of the things you said, like after school, one of the things we don't even realize is when we start saying we're going to go to school, the impact that means from a student debt perspective and thinking about what we're studying and why we're studying and what impact that could have. I mean, right now it's about 1.7 trillion Americans have student debt. And there's nothing wrong with student debt if it's thought through and really planned what you're paying for and why you're paying for it and how it can give you a return. So I think it even starts before school, which is so important. Mm-hmm. But yeah, to your question, so we started in 2020 and now we're making about a million impressions a week. And the feedback has come in the swarms of thousands and thousands. And it's been just so rewarding. Everything from, because I also do individual consulting and small business consulting, but Everything from rethinking about how they're managing their debt to implementing budgeting systems to creating financial independence so that they can move to the city they want to move in to refinancing some of their existing debt to starting their side hustles to making their side hustles their full-time jobs. We've seen it all. It's been amazing. And in this all-access networking group, we have people from all over North America 
And it's so cool to see these individuals take their hobbies and create full-time businesses and us to help them do it and also us to help them endorse and promote it, which has been fun. And that's honestly one of the big things that just keeps us moving. It's just the positive feedback and the stories we're hearing are like, all right, this is the direction we got to move and we got to keep moving at this speed. Yeah. And I think it's so important, the work that you're doing. What has shocked you the most when you are doing those consultations, when you're talking to people that people don't know? Like, Is there anything that you're really surprised about or anything that's like really common that you didn't think would be as common? Yeah. One is self-confidence. I think it was interesting. Small business I was working with, it was a female founder. And I'm not going to get into the specifics. I don't want to give it away. And I don't have their permission to give it away. It was a female founder who never talked about the fact she founded it because she was worried about the demographic that utilized the product would actually support that. And we talked a lot about positioning like her face, her ownership, her story is an unbelievable message, not only for her demographic, but way beyond. And that was a big success story which ended up, I'm just going to summarize as an amazing business move for the company. They're killing it. If I had their permission, I would tell more. But that's one of like self-confidence, own your story, know your story, and lean into your story about what differentiates you. The biggest thing though, and all these conversations as it relates to finance, I mean, it's almost 90% of them will want to consult and want to have discussions about X, Y, and Z, NFTs, crypto, certain funds, ETFs, investment opportunities. And when we take one minute to peel back what their debt profile looks like, there are huge, huge gaps in whole holes in their ship that are sinking them by the second. So there's so many people that are focused on the sexy side of business, which is fair, right? The investing and the big returns. But you got to take a pause and start backpedaling and look at the foundation of the house before you decide how you want to customize your bedroom and bathroom. And that starts with debt management. And if anyone here is thinking about any of these big returns and big home runs, and you have credit card debt that you're not paying off 100% in full every single month, it is time to hit pause because you will not be able to take big shots in life. You will not be able to take the big swings you want to. You will not be able to write your own story unless you can start managing your debt and create some type of financial independence. And it all starts with high interest rate debt and making sure that's eliminated. Yeah. I totally agree. I mean, especially with social media, we see so many people living very glamorous lives. And sometimes you wonder like, how are they paying for that? And a lot of times it might be credit card debt and people are just, you know, getting themselves more and more into a hole and thinking, I'll deal with this later or I'll deal with this tomorrow. You know, or maybe they were young and when they got into that debt and couldn't afford certain things or didn't understand what that debt meant or what the implications were for it. So then they just got more into it. And I definitely think that that's one thing that a lot of people don't talk about either. It's like, okay, let's talk about investing. Let's talk about crypto. Let's have all these conferences around it and these podcasts. But then you're not addressing the issue that's actually bringing you down. And unless you get out of that, you're never going to be wealthy. Yeah, 100%. The big thing too is if you did this a year ago, like you're listening to this in a year ago, you're like, yeah, I was pretty bad with my credit card. And then you're still saying today you're pretty bad with your credit card. A year ago was really an ugly habit. Today, it is a catastrophic habit because right now with inflation, we're seeing inflation over 8%. The cost of goods from last year to this year have increased at such a rate in 12 months. Majority of people living haven't seen this. So the cost of goods are going up at such a rate. If you haven't started to manage this and you're spending, you are going to get crushed right now. So now more than ever, it's time to like take a pause 
and understand what you're spending, why you're spending, and how you can get a control of it because the goods are going up by the second and so are the prices and those credit card balances will be too. Yeah. And what's your best advice then for someone that is in credit card debt, let's say? What's step number one to try to get out of that? Yeah. So step number one is, first of all, you got to plug the spending, right? So big thing to do is understand the categories. Print out two, three copies of your statements. Understand the categories that you're spending the money in and see what of those categories are variable. And by that, I mean what are controllable and really figure out how to reduce that. Once you do have this credit card debt, though, you have to find a way to eliminate the principle of this because the issue is the interest rate. At 16 to 30% interest rates, you just can't get out of it. And so what you have to do is find ways to accelerate this payment so that you are paying the least amount of interest over a long period of time. Some quick tactics without like taking up the whole podcast are... There's ways to refinance some of this onto a 0% interest credit card if you're able to manage how long it's 0% and then get it fully paid off. There's ways to refinance with personal loans. There's ways to utilize other forms of collateral and assets you may have like a house or a 401k and take a loan against those things to get a lower rate to pay it off. First, you got to refinance it because you cannot pay that percentage You then have to restructure how you're going to pay it back in an accelerated period down, and then you got to repay. So refinance, restructure, repay. Those are the three big words you got to think about when you have that high interest rate credit card debt. I think that that's great advice because a lot of people feel like they're drowning and don't know how to get out. And I think that the step is to actually take action. Yes. Take action immediately. Do not pass go. Do not do anything else. Don't go get your coffee down the street until you have addressed this. It's one of the most important things in an inflationary time. Mm-hmm. And when you started talking about money and you know started talking about these topics, were you nervous at like what the reception would be, or were you nervous to start talking about this? Not really. I don't think so because it's like things that I'm I feel pretty confident in just because it's where a lot of like my education and time deployed was. I think in general though, anything that you put online gets a little nerve wracking just on who's going to see it and who's going to hear it and who you're going to piss off. And one of the things I've quickly learned is that the better you know yourself and the more confidence you have within yourself, the less you really give a shit about what other people think. Um, there's so many people out there right now that are feeling so much pain just within, within their careers, within their lives, within where they live. Social media creates it too. And what they do is that they take that pain and instead of addressing it themselves and finding ways to better themselves and find ways to grow, they love to deploy it and put it onto other people and try and bring you down. And so what noise and chirps and negative feedback and criticism is the result of anything. There's no one who has a voice in this world who doesn't hear it. There's no one who has a high form in leadership that doesn't have to deal with it. And the greater those voices become, sometimes the greater the impact you're making and making sure you just ignore that noise and not let that fear come into your way is so, so important. Because if you are worried about getting the approval of everybody, you will find yourself being one of those people criticizing others because you haven't made the moves that you know you're capable of moving. Yep. I could not agree more. I think that that's one thing that in the beginning, I was nervous to put anything out there, especially when I started talking about a little bit more about money and like my channel and stuff like that. I was just very nervous to put that out there because of the reception that I would get. Because one, no matter what you put out there, like you said, you're going to get people that are hating on you. But also when you put something that's a little bit taboo, you get a lot of opinions and you get a lot of people that maybe like 
don't like what you're saying and take it personally or whatever it is. They have a lot of opinions that they like to share. And so I was super, super nervous, but I think it just brings more power when you start talking about it. And generally the people that are leaving you hate or they're like trolls on the internet are people that are just unhappy and you can't really get them the time of day. Exactly. Well said. Keep going. Keep doing your thing. And usually you'll find is the more like vulnerable you are about those taboo topics, the more connection you're going to create with those people who really are invested to you in what you have to say, right? Because you're now opening the door for them to have conversations that maybe they've always wanted to have or that have been top of mind or that they've had to deal with too. So I, I think that's awesome. Keep doing what you're doing. Yeah. And one question I had was, how do you encourage other people to talk more about these topics? Because you talk about it, obviously, on your podcast. You have Restart that talks about it. But how would you say, like, two friends that are getting lunch, how should they approach these conversations? Yeah, I mean, I think talking about it is, is one of the best ways to actually have people approach these conversations because no one wants to talk about this stuff. Now, if people say, like... I don't feel comfortable. I won't talk about this stuff. That's fine. But I'll quickly say to them, like, who's the guy or girl that's in your same position? What are they making? I don't know. What does your boss make? I don't know. Do you ever think about what you might have the opportunity to make given where you're staying? Yeah, I guess I have. What does your boss's boss make? No idea. Aren't these things that motivate you? Aren't you at all curious? Aren't you wondering if you're paid? Like, think about the way you negotiate for like your car or like other things you do in life. Or think about like where you're going to eat because of the price points. Like, think about anything that has to do with money. You think about it, you talk about it. But when it comes to like earnings, you're not going to talk about it. What if this guy next to you that does less output is making 40% more than you? Don't you want to know? And so everyone's like, when you start to talk about it like that, they start to get a little bit more curious of what their value is. One of the best things to do is if someone who has no idea or no concept of wanting to talk to this, be like, okay, so how do you determine your value? I can promise you their answer is going to be pretty limited because one of the best ways to determine your value is getting market rates. That's one of the best ways to do it. And so I think it's leaning in and challenging people. I think when you can challenge someone to really think differently about something that can make them in a better financial situation, it's easier to get their attention than you'd imagine. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. I think asking questions and talking about income and earnings and everything like that, I think is really, really important because that's something that, like you said, if someone's making 40% more than you, you're getting ripped off. Like it doesn't help you at all. It doesn't hurt them by talking about it. And especially when you come at it at like, you're trying to get educated and be informed rather than just like being nosy. I think that's what matters. It's the intention that you talk about money. 100%. Intention's so important in that piece of the puzzle too. You're 100% right. Yep. And what is your best advice for someone who is trying to pivot their career, who's trying to make a change and they're not necessarily having like a three month break to go on a <laughs> reality show? What do you think is like something that you would say that helps with with pivoting? For sure. So the first thing you got to do is you got to rewire to understand like what put you in that position. And then once you understand with yourself, like down to the bedrock of who you are, you know exactly who you are and what you want out of life and what drives your happiness and what you need to do to adjust. Like you now know yourself better than you ever did. That's the rewiring process. Then you have to reset and restart. And the way you reset and restart via a pivot is you have to identify one of the five reasons you're stuck. It could be all five, but you got to prioritize what's the most important. It's going to be either mobility, just like acceleration within your path, within your career. It's going to be skill set. Your natural skill set doesn't align with your day-to-day -day functions. It's going to be some type of lack of passion of impact, passion of what you're doing, passion of the day-to-day -day routine, passion of the company, passion of the product, something correlated to passion you're missing. It's going to be compensation. 
you're not being compensated enough or fairly, or it's going to be fear, fear of change, fear of the unknown, complacency driven by the biweekly paycheck, and you're scared of fearful of what is next. In the book, I talk about all five of these scenarios that get people stuck. And based on which of these is the priority to you, there's going to be a different solution that's customized to you to get you out. And the book is really focused on identifying those five, identifying which of those five are most pertinent to you, and then how to create a solution for your next steps. I love that. I think it's really relevant. I mean, right now we're experiencing like the great resignation where everyone's quitting their jobs. They're wanting to do something different. They're not fulfilled at their jobs anymore. So I think it's really important. And like you said, not everyone has the same reason for wanting that pivot and not everyone has the same like reason why they're quitting their jobs. Yeah. And I think that's so important. Over 45 million people voluntarily left their jobs in 2021. That's more than ever before since that statistics has started that statistic has started to be analyzed. And so like you said, there's a long reason of why those people have left their career. That is a huge, huge number, right? And obviously, there is some writing on the wall. We know based on reports that are out, over 50% of people aren't engaged with their work and they're mulling over other opportunities. And so people are now starting to take action to figure out how to do it themselves or to do it in other areas, other careers, or other places of work. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, thank you so much for coming on my podcast. I think this was really, really valuable. And it's like one of my favorite topics to talk about. So I really enjoyed chatting with you about it. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. And I love what you do, like talking about these taboo topics and jumping into how much you make off a post or where money's being made. Uh, it gives people so much insight. And that insight allows people to kind of navigate accordingly and rethink what they're doing and why. So kudos for you for doing what you're doing. And it was so nice to meet you. Thank you for having me on course. Where can they find you? Where can they find your book? Yeah. So the book is on shelves now, Barnes and Nobles and national retailers, which is exciting. But a quick, easy way to buy it is you just go to Amazon. It could be there by tomorrow. Uh, You can buy it on Target online, Barnes and Noble online. It's called the Restart Roadmap, Rewire and Reset Your Career. You could also get it on Audible. I did the audio for Audible and that was a process. So you could do that if you like to listen to your books. And then podcast is called Trading Secrets. You get anywhere where you get a podcast. And my social media is just Jason underscore Tardic. You can find me on all the areas of social media. Awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of The Real Real. I hope that you enjoyed and don't forget to rate, review, follow, or subscribe on your favorite podcast app. You can follow me personally on Instagram at Natalie Barbu and the podcast at The Real Real Podcast. I'll see you next Monday. Hey, my name is Lovan Rumpf, and I've been working my ass off as a celebrity stylist by day and a podcast host by night. At the Low Life Podcast, it's all about keeping it real. We're talking fashion, beauty, to religion, sex, drugs, mental health. I mean, there's no topic off limits here, and vulnerability is mandatory. You can find my podcast, The Low Life, that's L-O, no W, everywhere and anywhere you listen to your podcasts. New episodes are out every Thursday. We'll see you then.